Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Pragati Mather. Pragati is the Chief Digital and Information Officer of ConocoPhillips, a global oil and gas company that earns in excess of $45 billion in annual revenue. She's been a technology executive multiple times over, including having held roles as CIO, CTO of Staples, and as CTO at Biogen. I look forward to hearing more about her fascinating career path, her responsibilities at ConocoPhillips, and the remarkable transformation that she's led, among other topics we're sure to cover. Pragati, welcome to Technovation. It's wonderful to speak with you today. Thank you, Peter. Really excited to talk to you today. I, I'm excited as well. I've been looking forward to this. But first, a quick word from our partner, Adyen, and the company's chief operating officer, Cameron Zaki. Adyen is a payment platform company that allows businesses to accept e-commerce, mobile, and point-of-sale payments. And Cameron wanted to provide a short overview of what Adyen has to offer. Cameron, over to you. Thanks, Peter. It's one global platform on which you can do many continents and countries, all the relevant payment methods, which vary significantly across different parts of the world to online and physical world or mobile. And we've continued to expand from there. If you go to a dinner party and people ask you what you do when you say this, they're like, that sounds like common sense. Why is it unique? The reality is that a lot of the players who've been around for decades have grown on mainframe computing, releasing once or twice a year, buying other companies, and then they give you one API. But behind the scenes, it's a bit of a spaghetti mess, unfortunately. What IDN did and what we do is sort of really do the backend plumbing that is a little less sexy at times, but really makes the difference in being able to say, hey, it was Peter. Do you know that he you know, shops online and on mobile and in your store and you can recognize him and you can connect all the dots and it's not just enabling the payment, but it's, hey, how do you factor that into loyalty and marketing and all kinds of other use cases? Thanks, Cameron. And now on to the interview. Well, I, I, I mentioned the, the briefest of overviews of ConocoPhillips business. I wonder if you could take just a couple of minutes and provide a little bit more context for our listeners. Yeah, so ConocoPhillips is an independent exploration and production company, and we are headquartered in Houston, Texas. Uh, we have operations in about 13 countries, and we have about 9,400 employees. And our company ex does the exploration. We do production, uh, transport of market crude oil, butane, natural gas, natural gas liquids, liquefied gas, natural gas on a worldwide basis. And uh, as a responsible Paris-aligned ENP company, uh, we are valued and crucial role to play in the whole energy transition. Our company created this whole triple mandate strategy, and everything we do essentially supports that triple mandate strategy. It starts with uh, reliably and responsibly supplying oil and natural gas to meet the energy transition pathway demand, uh, to deliver competitive returns on our capital for our shareholders, and achieve net zero ambition by 2050. And of course, interim, interim targets along the way. Our company sort of embraces in this whole role of operating responsibility to help meet the energy needs for today, as well as in the future uh, through the energy transition. Uh, part of our goal and our company goal is also sort of to foster innovation where employees are working every day to design innovative ways and find uh, the production of oil and gas. You know, we are also exploring new technologies, new low carbon opportunities, and forging partnerships uh, with uh, natural gas, working on managing water and biodiversity risk. Uh, so there's a big focus while we do all these things on safety and environmental stewardship. 
you know, every company sort of has values and we have values called something called spirit values. And that's around safety, people, integrity, responsibility, innovation and teamwork. And the team and the company lives by those uh, sort of values. And uh, from an overarching community engagement standpoint, you know, Conoco uh, is an active member and we've donated around $53 million in donations and scholarship memberships across the community uh, for the people where we operate. What a great overview, Pragati. I really appreciate that. And I especially, I think it's fascinating the um, how explicit and measurable, in fact, uh, some of what you mentioned in terms of the triple mandate and some of the the, the uh, paying more than just lip service towards uh, the transition to, to alternative and uh, uh, sources of energy uh, as well. I, I look forward to getting more into the details of that in a, in a few moments. I, I'd love to actually talk a bit more about your role, if you don't mind. I mentioned you're the chief digital and information officer of the company. Talk a bit about what that entails in the setting like uh, like the one at ConocoPhillips. What's, what's within your purview, please? Uh, so as a chief information and digital officer, um, I lead the IT and the digital strategy and execution for our company. And our main remit is to enable the company's strategic objectives. It's essentially around four key objectives. One is to reduce and lower our cost of supply, uh, to improve our efficiencies, increase our safety, and ESG excellence. And what we do is uh, we use standardized applications and tools to provide more accurate data to better support the development and deployment of capital investments across the field and corporate application, corporate teams. And uh, we enable uh, intuitive and seamless integrated platforms uh, and create automated processes that handle complex data to drive uh, faster and more accurate decision-making. And uh, we are improving safety through connected operation devices that reduces the risk to the people by replacing manual interventions at the field. And from an ESG standpoint, it's about accurate and timely monitoring of um, emissions and reporting so that we can provide greater confidence towards the environmental commitments. So ultimately, this is all about how do we maximize the value at the most optimal cost. It's about how do we? Uh, how does technology, in, from a digital standpoint, IT, enable the business success uh, and excel in providing secure and reliable operations? And ultimately, it's about inspiring and engaging the workforce and the people to do that work. So those are just at a very high level some of the things that the role entails. That's a great overview. Thank you so much for for providing that. I, I, one of the things I know, Pragati, from we, you and I recently caught up in Houston, and I was really impressed that in a little more than a year and a half, you really, you and the team, of course, have uh, led a really remarkable digital transformation um, across that uh, eighteen months or so. And I wonder if you could, first of all, provide just a brief overview in terms of what it's entailed, but also how you've thought about, given the scale of this operation, how you've thought about marshalling progress, uh, meaningful progress, uh, you know, across the months that you've been in, been in role. Yeah, so we are definitely on a journey to uh, progress our digital maturity within the organization, within my organization, as well as the enterprise. And uh, this journey has been going on for some time, all right? We, uh, teams have been exploring emergent digital technologies, analytics, and preparing themselves uh, for this transformation. But this all started uh, last October, and we created an overarching company digital strategy, and we got an approval from the CEO and the board. Once we had that in place, 
we move from strategy to execution by gaining global alignment of our digital priorities, timing, pace for advancing uh, our core pillars and strategy. And we came up with essentially four key pillars. Uh, one was around how do we use technology to accelerate digitalization in our business? Uh, so it was about deploying technologies like IoT, digital twins, drones. So for example, in IoT, we're using uh, seeing a high number of cases where we're using IoT sensors to either detect real-time moisture under the insulations or we use uh, to figure out what real-time data from our wells. And this ability by using the IoT sensors is unlocking us to get real-time data and that's allowing us to do deep analytics, machine learning, AI, and monitoring opportunities that we were never able to do before. Uh, digital twins uh, are transforming the way we work and collaborate, delivering efficiencies and improvements in uh, working and execution. Uh, earlier this year, we had created multiple digital twins across all our many of our assets in offshore facilities, onshore fields, uh, LNG plants. And again, it's creating reduction in our inspection and maintenance times across these different facilities and also increasing the production uh, from our wells. Uh, we are using drones that are uh, enabling us to get data from much more easier in hazardous locations and improving safety. So we are able to send drones now where we, are, where we used to send humans and that is essentially improving the whole safety. So that was the whole pillar on, these are just some of the technologies uh, on how we're using technology to accelerate and uh, the digitalization in the business. Uh, sort of our second pillar is around data and analytics. And this is about how do we empower our people, democratize our data and use analytics. Uh, and analytics has been a key strength for us. Uh, so how do we organize the data so that we can spend less time in searching for the data and spend more time in doing the analytics? That's been a key focus for us. Uh, we've been using uh, the whole predictive modeling in reservoir engineering subsurface areas. And with the integrated data and use of uh, analytics, we can deliver insights and predictions at a much faster rate. And people are using decisions based on this to for core business, to solve core business problems. So that's a, a, another sort of a second pillar. A um, third pillar that we've used is around the whole operating model. We had to change the way we work. Uh, and so for this, we uh, embraced Lean Agile. We reorganized ourselves into more product centricity and more product model. Uh, we are upskilling our workforce um, with tools and competencies and uh, for analytics, for cloud, for uh, you know RPA, automation, all those areas and web development. We also rolled out a whole citizen developer program. So the whole notion over here is how do we deliver things faster to the business and have much more greater transparency? That was the whole idea on uh, the digital operating model and changing the way we sort of work. Uh, but part of this is also the fourth pillar is we need to continuously modernize our foundations and uh, underpinning is the whole cybersecurity. Uh, and these days, cybersecurity becomes the core pillar. So our fourth pillar is around modernization, 
uh, and how do we keep our foundation pretty strong? So that's been uh, the core focus and how we think on our uh, sort of a digital strategy. And um, for a good part of 2022, we've been working with leaders in our business units to build out these roadmaps for each business unit, each region. Uh, how do we actually go about executing this digital strategy across the organization? So it's not just about technology, right? It's about how do we create a whole team that is focused on engagement, communication, Organization change management is massive uh, so that our workforce understands and absorbs these changes that we are introducing uh, because it's going to affect them the way they work at the field level on a daily basis. So change management uh, is a huge factor in digital transformation. So we've been working in all these dimensions on technology, data, uh, the operating model and change management, as well as the core foundations. And those are the pillars that we're using to uh, penetrate into the organization uh, and work with our field. That's a great overview. Thank you so much for going into such depth in terms of the areas of focus from a digital perspective. You mentioned earlier in our conversation, Pragati, a couple of different ways and times this core strategic objective of the company of ESG excellence and uh, finding ways to, uh, in essence, ensure the organization is on a, on a solid pathway uh, to deliver that. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about uh, tech and digital's role in that migration as well. You you talked about in introducing uh, the four key objectives, uh, strategic objectives that naturally uh, your team is helping drive uh, uh, different aspects of those. Talk about the relationship with the ASG excellence uh, objective, if you would. Sure. So our leadership team and I are pretty aligned on the premise that digital technologies will be sort of the key in meeting the ESG objectives. Um, and I feel that digital is a key enabler in helping our emissions and improving the whole efficiencies. So how? Some examples are when we use IoT sensors, cameras, and dro drones to detect methane as an example. Uh, we are also using AI-driven alarm management for enhanced responses. And uh, we are leveraging technology to move to a continuous emissions measurement and automated reporting. So these are just some technologies that are helping us to realize the company priorities of uh, ESG and also improving safety at the same time. Additionally, we partner with our two groups, which is sustainable development and low carbon organizations uh, to develop integrated roadmaps. And as we're looking at alternative energies, as we are looking at uh, new energies, how can digital essentially play a role in that? So the, the, those are some of the areas that we are focused on from a digital standpoint. And um, ConocoPhillips has taken a leadership in the ESG whole space, and digital technologies, I feel, will play a massive role and a critical role in helping uh, to meet our established objectives. Yeah, again, I appreciate appreciate that overview of this. Um, I wanted to also ask you, I, I think it's remarkable, Pragati, having gotten to know you over the years and your remarkable story. You've worked across so many different industries as a technology executive at very different businesses. Uh, you, you spent time at General Motors, at, at Boeing, at Biogen, Staples, prior to your current post at ConocoPhillips. 
And each of those com- you know, consequential scaled enterprises that are very different from each other, certainly, of course, there's some overlap uh, in, in different facets of it as well. But as a result of that, you've worked in business to government, B2G, business to business. You've worked, of course, in business to consumer. Um, talk a bit about the way in which you educate yourself uh, in each of these transitions to very you know, kind of new, different industries for yourself. Uh, and perhaps the extent to which there are some ideas that occur to you, some of the commonalities across the, these businesses, uh, across your own journey. Yeah, uh, you know, the one thing that is common across these all these is technology. And it's uh, sort of pretty universal and it's pretty portable across the different industries. So maybe I'll take an example of ConocoPhillips since I recently came here. There was so much to learn in oil and gas. When I first came, I thought... Oil and gas is relatively simple compared to the other manufacturing industries that I've worked in, but uh, it is extremely complex. It uh, there's a lot that goes on uh, in extreme conditions to produce oil and gas. So uh, one of the things that I've done is be able to travel to different business units, uh, different countries and locations, and really understand how we operate. How do we do business? What does it take to produce a barrel of oil? Um, so I went to field locations in Permian Basin, in oil sands in Canada, North Slope in Alaska, and offshore operations in Norway. All these are pretty unique. They all produce oil and gas, uh, but very unique. The climatic conditions are different. Uh, so making a priority to go to the field level and really understand uh, what are the operating conditions, how do these business units work, uh, early on to gain insights. That really fosters, first of all, trust and a little bit of credibility. At the same time, you can start creating your strategy and to make sure that the strategy is in line with uh, how the company operates and the business operates. Uh, so oil and gas operations vary dramatically, right, uh, in this whole basins, conditions, and the type of fuel we are extracting. So what struck me is the whole emphasis on safety as an example. And everybody is committed to uh, safety. So what can we do to enable safety? It's sort of learning about those key things and going deep and deep uh, in understanding how the business operates. That's been a key thing for me creating a whole network, all right, uh, in each of the assets and business units, uh, creating a team team members who that you can connect with, uh, that you can go and ask questions in a short amount of time, who can be your change agents and driving force when you're implementing and building solutions. That's been another uh, sort of key area for us. Uh, so it's just invaluable to see the operations in person and how technology enables uh, to operate in a safe and responsible manner. That, those are the big things I would say is just getting to the field and working with the operator, shadowing uh, them in their roles and just learning. I think the first few months is all about learning, learning, learning and listening. And then uh, sort of then from there on, you can build the next step, partnering with the business units and the assets, getting some early wins in the execution. Uh, and then that builds trust, and then you can move on to the bigger initiatives. So it's a little bit of a, a, a work process, uh, and not a, just a quick win. That's a great, great idea as you express there, Pragati. It's uh, it's it's inspiring to hear you talk about some of the connection points of what you can draw from each experience to your each new one, but also the necessity to ensure that 
you're learning along the way, you're changing that you're as a result of the circumstances of what you're finding in each of these new companies that you've joined. So thank you for, for those reflections. You've already discussed a, a number of trends that you and the team are leveraging. You talked a bit about stories related to IoT and digital twins and drones uh, and talked about the implications and the rationale uh, behind uh, uh, implementing each. Are, are there other trends that excite you as you look to the future, Pogety, other things that are starting to make their way onto your roadmap? You know, uh, I would say for us right now, maybe I'll start off with this, right? The most uh, pressing issue on our minds in our industry is the energy transition uh, and the move to a low carbon future. So uh, we view the energy transition as a huge opportunity and a huge challenge also. And uh, we welcome this to be a part of the solution. And so it will take a sort of an all-hands approach in solving the energy transition and to satisfy the energy needs in a safe, reliable, and secure way. That's, to me, pretty exciting. And I feel that we are well-positioned uh, to meet the energy pathway demand uh, and helping find new sources of energy that will contribute to a greener, more sustainable future. Uh, now, shifting a little bit more into sort of the technology, yes, you're right, today we are focused on IoT, drones, automation, data analytics, digital twins. Uh, but as we look forward in the future, I think uh, the whole advances in data privacy and protection is uh, is going to be key. Moving to the whole massive synthetic data generation uh, to advance AI and uh, analytics on insights the whole confidential computing part as part of the data privacy protection is pretty exciting to me. Uh, another area is moving from virtual reality to sort of augmented reality. You know, this is around how do you combine the digital imagery of a physical world to create experiences like with sensory stimuli? Uh, you know, how, how do you, as an example, feel, smell the impacts of a gas leak or a safety hazard? or uh, designing a whole factory or a site and building uh, and understanding the human flow, the noise levels and all in that. So that's uh, something which we still uh, are too early in that phase, but you know that's pretty exciting to me on what are the huge potentials that can uncover. And um, uh, the whole AI-fueled enterprise automation, it's moving away from um, just the basic RPN bots and going into the whole NLP reinforcement learning and deep learning to generate AI fuel for smarter business process automation. Uh, that's uh, pretty exciting to me. And then getting into more uh, from integrated IoT to IoT marketplaces, uh, that's another area. Uh, of course, we have the whole no code, low code and automating the code deployment. That's an area which will, I think, continue to progress. Uh, and uh, keeping an eye on the metaverse in the business. Um, you know, today we use VR headsets for drilling location uh, and interacting with the machines and people without leaving your desk. So how do we extend that uh, in, in, into the industrial metaverse is something which we haven't started yet, but something which is exciting to see how it can enable the industrial world. Fascinating. I, a lot of things for us to, to, to think further about. And I can't help but thinking, uh, Pragati, across your responses, how, you know, ConocoPhillips is doing so much to overcome the, the traditional innovators dilemma that, that yours is an organization that has derived so much value out of traditional, you know, 
oil and gas and the various aspects that you've described in the business, but actually sees that future of going beyond that. It's really admirable and and you know tough and interesting work that you all have ahead. And I can hear in your in your responses how excited you are about that journey to come. Um, speaking of journeys, I I uh, yours has been a, a really pioneering a journey of uh, of sorts. A common friend of ours actually was not you. A common friend of ours mentioned that you were the the first a female chief architect of a Fortune 100 uh, firm, I believe a role you had both at General Motors and at Boeing. But clearly, you're somebody who's used to uh, uh, paying little attention to uh, glass ceilings that might be above you and just sort of you know shove your way through, break your way through that glass. Um, you've also been a, a tech and digital chief uh, across multiple Fortune 500 companies, as I mentioned at the outset. I wonder if you could take a moment and reflect on your rise and your career, and especially the extent to which uh, you might tune some of your responses to to other uh, people, men and women, uh, who might wish to follow in your footsteps. You know, I think for me, technology is so exciting and it's always changing. Um, and the pace of innovation is moving at an astounding rate. So I think we are in a, first of all, in a very exciting field. And that uh, to me is the, uh, that's what keeps me going each day. Uh, but early in my career, right, it was about, I think, doing jobs that nobody wanted to do. For example, everybody wanted to do program management and all, and nobody wanted to do architecture. So I took on jobs uh, where others didn't want to do. And that's how I started my uh, sort of career. But over the course of time, it's about listening. Uh, it's listening to people at the all, uh, all levels of the organization, asking for feedback, meeting in small teams individually, and understand what's working well and what's not working well. Uh, then you can form your opinion. Uh, but I think listening is a big uh, aspect that I've been doing across uh, sort of all jobs. And, um, you know, Working in different industries, every industry is different, even though the technology is the same, it's different challenges. Uh, so um, how do you uh, work uh, and take that technology that you may have worked, but adapt and adjust in an agile manner to a new industry and not be completely focused on this is how I've done it in manufacturing and this is how I'm going to do it in other oil and gas company. It won't work, right? And just continuously sort of learning and be hungry to learn uh, the technology and just working hard uh, are, uh, I think, the big things from um, uh, my side. Uh, I've been lucky. I had great mentors uh, who helped me throughout the journey. And uh, I aspire to be a good mentor, too, to other people. But I think creating that network and mentors role within your organization but outside uh, that uh, has really propelled me to sort of grow uh, and take on challenges and people pushing me sometimes when I didn't think I could do it, uh, my mentors pushed me to take on different roles and challenges and that has helped me grow. That's wonderful, Prakati. And it's wonderful to hear you talk a bit more about paying some of that forward to to those uh, uh, who are on your team or have been on your teams as well. A, a very inspiring story to say the least. Well, Pragati Mother, thank you so much for joining me on Technovation today. It's been wonderful to, to hear more about your journey, uh, hear more about the remarkable change that you're helping drive uh, within the context of ConocoPhillips. Uh, it's been a really great conversation. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate you.